chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down, and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there unto the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Thank you, Jacob, for that beautiful music we have here today honoring our King Jesus. And tomorrow is his birthday. It's the birthday of the King. And it's a privilege to be here and to speak to you from the Word of God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for another beautiful day for this Sunday service. And Lord, as we look on to tomorrow, when we commemorate your coming to earth, God, you became flesh and dwelt among us. And we praise you for that. And Lord, that we would be able to honor your birthday. Lord, you grew up as the perfect Lamb of God. You knew the cross was before you. That was your plan of salvation. And Lord, that we look at your word today, that you would bless us, 
that you would teach us, Lord, that you would guide my tongue and forgive any sin in my life that would in any way hinder your word. Lord, that your Holy Spirit be with us and bind any evil that would try to take your word today. And we love you, God. Thank you, Father, for Jesus and your Holy Spirit. Amen. As Jacob was reading, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture from the second chapter of Matthew. This is really a contrast between what we call the wise men and King Herod. The wise men were believers. They traveled very far and they endured many difficult circumstances to come and honor their King Jesus. Herod represents the spirit of the Antichrist. He was building himself up in pride and his number one motive was to protect himself and his throne. He was willing to kill any person that got in the way of his reign of terror. The title for today's message is The Wise Men and King Herod. And we're going to be looking at four points today. The first point is the wise men worship Jesus as Lord God and Savior. The second point is King Herod's heart was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The third point today is the wise men have true joy when they find Christ Jesus and worship him. And then the final point today is Satan used King Herod in his spiritual battle against Jesus Christ. The first point, the wise men worship Jesus as the Lord God and Savior. Matthew 2.1 Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, there came wise men from the east. As we were just singing in that song, we three kings of Orient are. First off, the Bible doesn't say there were three that came. It doesn't say any number of wise men who came. And it also doesn't say that they were kings. So that song is a little bit misleading. However, it, that song also holds a lot of truth in that it discusses the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh that these men brought to Jesus to honor him. Jesus at this point is a child. He's no longer a baby. And Mary and Joseph are no longer in the stable where Jesus was born. They're actually residing in a house. These men who came, they came from the east. There are some theologians that think they came from the area of Babylon, which would be several hundred miles journey. Other people think they may have come as far as India or perhaps even China. Wherever they came from, they endured hardship to go and find Jesus. These were learned men, and they were traveling with an entourage because we know that Herod, when he, he became aware when they came into Jerusalem. And they came to Jerusalem first because, of course, that's where they thought the king would live. Luke 2, verses 3 and 4 says, And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, onto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. So this is how Mary and Joseph found themselves in the town of Bethlehem. David came to do the role that he was required from the government in order to pay his taxes. Now let's look at this word from the Greek dictionary, magos. This is talking about the wise men. 
It's a foreign origin. Some meanings is magician or an oriental scientist. By implication, a magician would be a sorcerer, a priest, an astronomer, and somebody who dwelt in Persia and Arabia. I was listening to a message by John MacArthur, and he says magi actually means tribe, and that these individuals have a history that dates way back, perhaps even to Abraham or Isaac. And they were nomads. They traveled around in the desert. Later, the word became corrupted with magicians. If we look at the book of Daniel, which, by the way, was written, in, most of it in Arabic, not in Hebrew, Daniel was in the land of Babylon. Many people think that these wise men came from that area. They may have been Gentiles, or they actually may have been Jews. Because Daniel lived in Babylon, he was a Jew, and many Jews that were taken captive settled in Babylon. They didn't come back to Jerusalem after the 70 years. And they would have known the scriptures. A lot of this is buried in mystery in the Bible for a reason, doesn't tell us all of the details. But we have enough from the history to understand that these people could have been from Babylon and they perhaps were Jewish in history or heritage or they may have well been Gentiles. Now they were believers because it says they worship Jesus. And if somebody insisted that they were magicians, that just doesn't make sense. Why would somebody who was a sorcerer, as we learned several weeks ago when we studied the Witch of Endor, God hates sorcery. He wouldn't bring magicians to come and worship the Lord. These were people who were of faith, and they are indeed in the kingdom. Matthew 2.2, 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Numbers 24.17 says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. For there shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Seth. These wise men have come into Jerusalem, and they were being led by a mysterious light. And if you read a lot of the commentaries, they tried to make astronomy come up with a reason. You know, that they were the planets and the orbits or the stars and all of these things. But it seems to be God's power, and he put a light to lead these men, however many men there were in this entourage. John 5.23, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. These men came to honor God. They knew him from the scriptures that he was God. This verse from John is teaching us that all men should honor Jesus, but if you're truly a Christian, you will honor the Lord. And it says, he that honors not Jesus is not honoring the Father. You have to honor Jesus in order to honor the Father. And the Bible does say that the Father and Jesus are one. There's only one God. Matthew 2, 3. Now this introduces King Herod into the discussion. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. A little bit of history on Herod. This is Herod the Great. 
History calls him Herod the Great. There are five Herods that are mentioned in the New Testament. Herod the Great is only found in Matthew chapter 2. Herod the Great at this point in time is approximately 70 years old. He became governor of Galilee at the age of 25. Caesar in Rome made him king of all of Judea when he was in his early 30s. Now, Caesar would appoint kings throughout the different territories. And the responsibility of the king was to keep peace in whatever territory he was assigned. And they could use whatever means necessary in order to keep the peace. Because this was how Rome had such a large, huge geographic area, and they were able to maintain the peace. King Herod was ruthless. He is noted for two things. He murdered people. He had no problem killing anybody who was a threat to his throne. And he was also noted for his great building projects. Now what's interesting about Herod the Great is he was a half-breed in that he was half-Jewish and he was also half-Gentile. He was from the tribe of the Edomites and he lived and grew up south of Jerusalem. Now when he had the power, the first thing that he did was he killed 45 of the priests of the members of the Sanhedrin. There's 70 in the Sanhedrin. He killed 45. So the Jews hate him. He was also noted for his great building programs. And he redid the Temple Mount. And the temple that he had finished was the most beautiful building in the world at that time. On one side, it was a thousand feet. And the Temple Mount could be seen for miles. And he built his own home outside of Bethlehem. And he built a mountain in order to put his house on the top so he could overlook Bethlehem. Now what's also interesting is because he was only half Jew and half Gentile, he could not go into the temple to worship. This huge, beautiful building that he built, he could not even go inside. What we also find out about Herod is like most people that are enveloped in sin, the older they get, the more the sin comes out of them. When he was younger, he thought here was a way to get ingratiated with the Jews. He married the sister of the high priest who was the rightful heir to the throne as the king of Judea. Now his mother-in-law didn't like him. And the high priest who was the heir to the throne, she convinced him to send ambassadors to Rome to undercut King Herod. When King Herod found out about that, he killed his wife, he killed his mother-in-law, and he killed the heir to the throne. And that showed how ruthless he was. He married ten times. He killed three of his sons five days before he died. The son who was in his will to be the heir to the throne, he killed him. Right before he died, he rounded up 1,000 of the most prominent people who lived in Jerusalem. And he said, I know everybody hates me and nobody's going to mourn me when I die. So you put them in jail. And as soon as I die, you kill them. So then Jerusalem will truly mourn 
after my death. Now, when he died, they let those people go. But it shows the iron fist that King Herod had. And that gives you a little bit of background and insight into his mind as he sees these wise men and their entourage come into Jerusalem. Let's go back to that verse 3. It says, When King Herod heard of these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem knew that when King Herod was troubled, that meant trouble for them. Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is going back to the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and Jesus is speaking to the serpent, to the Satan, and he's saying, yes, you're going to bruise my heel. I will go to the cross to pay the penalty for sin, but I'm going to crush your head in the process. And Satan knew this. This is 4,000 years before Jesus was born. And every opportunity Satan has to kill the baby Jesus or to kill Christians, anyone of faith, he will take that opportunity. Genesis 49.8 Judah, thou art he whom the, thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. The people who studied scripture knew that Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah. Satan knew that Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49.10 The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall be the gathering of the people. Jesus is coming again. Shiloh is Jesus. He will come back again. Understand that the people who studied the law, who studied the Bible, they were aware of all of these verses. Matthew 2, 4. This is again speaking about Herod. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. He said, okay, I know that that word of God, that Bible has truth in it. But I don't really understand it. I haven't studied it all my life. I'm going to get the experts into the room. So he calls the chief priests and the scribes to give him advice and information. God knew exactly the thoughts that Satan has put into King Herod's mind to kill Jesus. Second Chronicles 36.14 says, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. God knows he's going to call these chief priests and the scribes. But this verse says, as in the days of the kings, the scribes and the priests were wicked and they were evil. And they were no different in the time of King Herod. Let's look at Luke 22, 66 and 67. This is the day that Jesus is going to be crucified. And as soon as that was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led Jesus into their council, saying, 
Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. So King Herod, these are the very scribes and chief priests who are going to put Jesus through the power of Pilate onto the cross to die. And these are the, the same wicked men who are now going to advise King Herod. Let's look at Matthew 2, 5. And they said unto him, these are the chief priests and the scribes. They're giving advice now to King Herod. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. They knew exactly where Jesus would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea. Bethlehem is about seven miles south and west of Jerusalem. It's not that far away. King Herod could have gone there very quickly on a chariot. And the chief priests and the scribes are telling him, they know the Bible. Do you know just knowing the Bible doesn't mean you have faith? They knew their Bible, but they had no redeeming faith. They did not believe Jesus was God. Micah 5.2, this is the prophecy. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is the ruler of Israel whose going forth have been from old from everlasting this verse from Micah is a prophecy and it's also saying that this baby Jesus is God because he is from old and from everlasting only God is from the foundations of time and before the foundations of time from everlasting from old, the foundations, and everlasting, eternal. In the New Testament, John 7.42 says, Has not the scripture said that Christ comes out of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? Remember last week, we looked at Jesus as right to the legal throne through Joseph? This is a verse that's building upon that that Christ comes of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was. How specific is the scripture? It's amazing. Let's look at the top of page 3. Matthew 2.6 And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule thy people Israel. So these chief priests and their scribes, these are the very verses that they're quoting to King Herod. Zechariah 9.9 Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king come unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. I'm wondering what King Herod was thinking as they're giving him these scriptures. Obviously, he's not a believer, but he's getting a lot of GPS coordinates here. But he's not acting upon them. God can always thwart the plans of the evil. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. This is again speaking of Jesus. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men 
and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now this book of Philippians was written by Paul after Jesus had died and ascended into heaven. These scribes and these chief priests, if they would have read and understand the Old Testament scriptures, because he was from old and everlasting, they would have known that this baby born in Bethlehem had to have been God and Christ, the anointed one, Messiah. The second point today, King Herod's heart was deceitful above all things, and it was desperately wicked. Matthew 2, 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So here Herod, he sends the chief priests and the scribes away because he has a plan in his mind that he's going to carry out. So once they're gone, now he calls the wise men in privately and he wants to hear from them. And he's asking them, he inquired diligently. He wants to know all the details, everything that they know. And he said, what time did this star appear that led you to Jerusalem? So now he has a timeline of when this baby was born. Psalm 55, 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Isn't that a perfect description? of what Herod is planning to do to the baby Jesus. His sword is drawn, but his words are smoother than butter. Proverbs 15, 3. Does God have it under control? Amen. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Whatever plans Herod had, God knew them. All right, let's go to Matthew 2, 8. And he sent them, the wise men, to Bethlehem. And he told them, Go and search diligently for this young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. This is showing the deceitfulness of King Herod. But he's a very wicked man. And he's been wicked for 70 years. And he's done many, many murders. In the history, it says there was one town that he went into and there were 3,000 people there and he killed everybody in the town. The people feared him because he was full of evil. And yet, when there were people that were poor, it says he emptied his coffers to buy food for the poor. The Bible says in James, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in many cases, Herod was a double-minded man. It must have frustrated him that with all his power, he could not even go into the temple. This verse also teaches us that these wise men believed the literal word of scriptures. When they were told where Jesus was in Bethlehem, they went there. Today in America, People don't want to believe that the Bible is 100% accurate and true. Many preachers today do not preach that the Word of God is true. 
And they minimize the power of Scripture by doing that. These wise men, in part, are wise because they believe that the Bible was inerrant. 1 Corinthians 3, 19 and 20. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Herod thought he was smart, powerful, and wise. But God says his wisdom was only foolishness with God. Psalms 33, 10 and 11 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. He makes the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. The evil that's in the world today will quickly pass away. But the goodness of God, his righteousness, is forever. Let's look at Matthew 2.9. Again, these are the wise men. When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. So now this star, whatever this light is, it reappears to them and it starts to lead them where the Jesus child is. He's actually not a baby anymore. He's called here a young child. So he's somewhat of an age, probably under two years old. Psalm 25, 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he should choose. In the spirit world, if we want to take the path that God has through leading us through him because he is the light of the world, it says we have to fear the Lord. Him shall he teach in the way he should go. Proverbs 8, 17. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Now most of us in this room, we're quite old already. And this verse says we should seek him early when we're young. But you know what? From my point of view, it also speaks to us. We can get out of bed early and seek the Lord, yes? And sometimes, you know, when we wake up at 4 or 5 in the morning and we really don't want to be up that early, right? Let's pick up our Bible. Let's pick up our prayer list and talk to Jesus. It says here, and those that seek me early shall find me. The third point today, the wise men have true joy when they find Christ Jesus and worship him. Matthew 2.10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They knew that this presence of God that was going to lead them to Christ was there again. The Bible is silent as to what happened when the wise men were meeting with King Herod. But now that they're going to head to Bethlehem, this light, the star, is back to lead them, and they have great joy. Psalm 105.3 Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. As we seek out Christ, as we read the scriptures, as we pray to the Lord, as we're seeking him out, this should be the reason we have joy in our heart. This verse says, Let the heart of them rejoice 
that seek the Lord. 2 Peter 1.19 We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. In the spirit world there's much darkness but Jesus is the light. He is the light that shines in a dark place. And until he comes back, until the day dawns on his return, he is the day star that can arise in our hearts. Matthew 2.11 And when they were coming to the house. So here we see Mary and Joseph are no longer in a stable where the manger was, where Jesus was born. They have moved into a house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And do you remember when we were singing that song, We Three Kings of Orientar? It talked about the gold, frankincense and myrrh. The gold is for the king. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The frankincense is a sweet-smelling savor that is given by the high priest to honor God. So this is showing the deity of Christ, this little baby, this little child that they're talking with. And then it says myrrh. Myrrh is an embalming oil. And it's put on people who die. And this is foretelling Christ suffering and going to the cross. Isn't it amazing that they chose these three gifts? And it shows that Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And they brought the appropriate gifts for a prophet and a priest and a king. Only the Holy Spirit would be able to do that and show them and lead them in this manner. And what's also interesting is frankincense and myrrh, they are the sap that comes out of the trunk and the branches of two different types of trees that grow in Arabia, in that area of Babylon. How do you get this sap from the tree? You have to cut the tree. And then the tree bleeds. And then as it hardens, it becomes this resin. The more it's aged, the more sweet-smelling it is to the sense. And even that is a picture of Christ going to the cross. God's Bible is so detailed. It's so amazing. You know, there are people out there that are sociologists and philosophers, and they think they know the ways of the world. And if they have not read the Bible from cover to cover, they are doing injustice to their own disciplines. Because the Bible covers so much of history and theology and sociology and philosophy. It's the book. It's God's love letter to mankind. Psalm 72, 10 and 11. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. 
All nations shall serve him. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Old Testament prophesies that. And these wise men, they were not kings. They were wise men, but they were very experienced in what a king's court and the decorum that was required. And they are presentable in Jesus' court. And he receives them. And he calls them wise men in his word because they were saved. Let's look at the top of page 4. Hebrews 7, 25 and 26. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. This verse teaches us that Jesus is the high priest. He's the advocate between us and the Father. And he became us. He became a human being. He dwelt in the flesh. Now, when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that doesn't mean he took on the sin nature of flesh. Because God is perfect. And he's sinless. But he was in the form of a man. Matthew 2.12 And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So God is now telling these wise men, don't go back to Jerusalem, as King Herod requested. You go another route back to your home country. This is God's way of spoiling King Herod's plan. Proverbs 21.30 There is no wisdom nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. There is no way man in the flesh will ever devise a plan that will defeat God. It is impossible. Job 5, 12, and 13. He disappoints the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Do you remember the story of Esther and King Haman? He wanted to wipe out all the Jews and he had constructed this huge gallows and he was the one who hung from it. God is able to take the plans of the wicked and to use them against the wicked themselves. The final point today, point four, Satan used King Herod in his spiritual battle against Jesus Christ. We are living in a spirit world and God is spirit and we don't know the battles that are going on in the spirit world. In the world today there is a spirit of antichrist and King Herod embodied that same spirit of antichrist. Matthew 2.13 again speaking of the wise men and when they were departed behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So just as the angel appeared to Joseph and said, Fear not, take Mary as your wife. She's pregnant with the Son of God. Now the angel says, Joseph, 
take Mary and Jesus and go into Egypt. Because Herod wants to kill the baby. He wants to destroy him. Matthew 10, 22. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. Why are Christians persecuted around the world today? Because we're hated for Christ's name's sake. This spirit of Antichrist that wanted to kill Jesus when he was a young child, this is the same spirit of Antichrist that wants to kill Christians because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. John 15, 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Christ was fighting the kingdom of darkness ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. So Satan has been fighting against the kingdom of God for 6,000 years. So this verse is saying, if the world hates us in 2017, know that it hated Christ before it hated you. Satan hated Christ 6,000 years ago. Actually before that, because he rebelled against God in heaven and took a third of the angels with him. And we don't know how far that was in time before God created the heavens and the earth, before Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. We don't know the timeline before that. The Bible is silent on that. Matthew 2.14. This is speaking of Joseph. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. See, he was asleep when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he immediately gets up. He immediately obeys. And it's still nighttime, and he leaves. You wonder how many bags they packed and how quickly they packed. Because Joseph does not want any harm done to this young child, Jesus. Hebrews 13, 7. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Joseph was obeying the angel, which means messenger of God. For they watch for your souls, as they that have to give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. This verse is speaking to people that have rule over you, for example, in a church family. You should honor your pastor at your church. But it has a broader implication that we should always obey God. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why do we submit to God? Because God has a barrier of protection. In the spirit world, there's a hedge of protection. And it says, when we resist the devil by submitting to God, the devil runs away. He wants to pick an easier target. Matthew 2, 15. This is again speaking of Mary, Joseph, and child Jesus. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Numbers 24, 8. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones, and pierce them through with his arrows. Hosea 11, 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him, and called my son 
out of Egypt. So these are fulfilling the scriptures from Numbers and Hosea, where Jesus would be called out of Egypt. Again, this is amazing. God's word is foretelling the future in so many of these prophecies. Matthew 2.16 Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Here King Herod perceives that he was mocked. The wise men weren't necessarily mocking him. They were obeying the angel who said, go a different route. Don't go back to Herod. But see, Herod was full of pride. And he felt he was mocked. He perceived that they mocked him. And now he has this exceeding wrath that comes up into his heart. And his idea is for his soldiers to go kill all the babies, not only in Bethlehem, but in all the coasts thereof. That means in all of the surrounding areas, a huge geographic area. My daughter and my daughter-in-law are pregnant right now. And I have two grandchildren. One is older than two, but one is still under the age of two. You know how moms love their children. Can you imagine the weeping that was going on after this wicked man killed all these children? How much sorrow was in the heart of these moms and in these families? Proverbs 28, 17. A man that does violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. The pit is hell and the lake of fire. They are running fast into perdition. Let no man stay him. In other words, let no man prevent him from his ways that are going to end up in the lake of fire. Isaiah 59, 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The wasting of their life and their opportunity to honor God, the eternal destruction of hell and the lake of fire. That is what awaits these wicked people who shed innocent blood. And what is more innocent than a child under the age of two? And look at in America. We still have over one million abortions every year because of the Roe versus Wade ruling back in 1973. And over 50 million babies have been killed. That's innocent blood. And God is saying here, he's not going to hold those people without accountability. They will be held accountable. And God says their feet run swiftly into hell. Let's look at the last verse here, Jeremiah 31, 15. Thus saith the Lord, and again, this is a prophecy of the weeping that's going to happen after King Herod kills all of these children. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel, that's the word for Rachel, weeping for her children and refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. King Herod was wicked and he slaughtered all these babies and yet he didn't he was not able to slaughter 
the one he wanted to kill, this young child, Jesus. And Satan put in his mind to kill Jesus because Satan always wanted to have Jesus killed. He knew the plan of salvation. He knew that when Jesus went to the cross, because he was holy, he would resurrect on Easter Sunday morning. And he couldn't stop God's plan of salvation. And today, anybody who is not saved, when they hear this Christmas story, the reason Jesus came was to be the Savior of the world. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We need to share this message with our family and with our friends because Jesus is the only way into heaven. He is the way and the truth into heaven. And we need to share this good news message, especially at this time of the year. Tomorrow is Christmas when we celebrate Jesus' birthday. We normally give gifts to people on their birthday, and yet Jesus gave us the greatest gift, which is eternal life. We can repay him in such a small way by sharing the gospel with somebody that we love and we know is not going to heaven until they get saved. We know people in our family that are lost. Don't kid ourselves. We all know people in our family who are lost. And they can't get into heaven without having a personal relationship with Jesus. Let's share this good news gospel with them. Let's make it a priority, especially this Christmas season, to share the good news. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you at this time of the year that you did come to the world, that you were born this little baby in Bethlehem. And Jesus, you grew up perfect because you're God and you're all man. And only you, God, can be deity and 100% man and never have sinned. And Jesus, you were the perfect Lamb of God. You were the perfect sacrifice, the only acceptable sacrifice by God as an entrance into heaven. And Jesus, we need to receive you and submit to your authority in our life in order to be saved. Lord, let us have an opportunity, even this week, to share your gospel with people who are not saved, with people who today are on their way into hell unless they receive your free gift of eternal life. And Jesus, we ask all of this in your powerful name and that your Holy Spirit would guide us. We love you, God. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.